Welcome to Off Air. It's your weekly news and pop podcast where two mates, Nick Stewart and myself, Tim Rubin, with 20 years of media experience between us, break down the top three stories of the week. Plus, we have a Facebook group, search Off Air Podcast Community, and you can be a part of the podcast. Uh, This week, we are going to be pulling apart the Aussie anthem being sneakily changed on New Year's Eve when everybody was blackout. Uh, Bitcoin is back and it's on bus shelters now. And could this be the last Donald Trump story? His leaked phone tape that could have huge ramifications after his presidency. Let's get into it. It's off air. What is our mandate? Tim Rubin. It's super creepy to reanimate somebody's dead father for their birthday. Nick Stewart. I really leaned into trying to get radicalised by ISIS. You're listening to Off Air. I believe it's this. Happy 2021. Welcome to the future. Tim Rubin, how are you? Hello. I'm good. How are you? How are you? Where are you? It's been a big two weeks. What's been happening? I'm back in Toowoomba in regional Queensland. Uh, It's lovely to be back here. I was down on the coast. I went down to New South Wales for a little bit to a beautiful little coastal town called Yamba, where my fiance's family's from. Spent a bit of time in Brisbane. Been all over the place, Tim. You've you have just been following COVID hotspots, I understand. <laughs> yeah, so I'm in Sydney now, um, back at my wonderful parents' house. Um, because my girlfriend Ellie and I decided to come here for Christmas slash New Year's, and literally while we were driving, the borders closed. So we, uh, I guess we live here now. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. People keep saying like, when are you going back? We don't know. I'm just here. We brought our work gear. So um, we're set up. I work in the TV room and Ellie works in our bedroom, which is my sister's old bedroom. <laughs> so it's so funny. And this was part of the process of Ellie spending some real time with your family for the first time, wasn't it? And yes, she'd never living. met. She'd, she'd met my mom once briefly. And so it was like, hi, nice to meet you. And now, yeah, we all live under one roof. So what's the vibe when you're walking around the streets? What's the feel down there? Because obviously it's the, the Sydney is the new Melbourne, yeah, uh, which has been the other way for a long time. It's all in lockdown and uh, masks in pubs now. Is that the go? Or We have masks in Sydney. I feel like I'm doing the same update. I gave you this update when it was happening in Victoria. Like, however, well, like... No, I can't help with the. No, no, it's not your fault. It's it's funny that I feel I'm just having deja vu. So uh, in Sydney, it's masks in shopping centres and I don't know supermarkets and stuff like that. People are supposed to wear masks now, but can I tell you what? As a as a like for this year, Victorian, how it feels mm-hmm. being in Sydney while this is happening? How? I'm like, fuck them, like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, there's so much. I actually get like watching all the Sydney people freak out and be like, oh, we have to buy masks. Oh, how do I wear a mask with glasses? I'm like, yeah, this has been my year. Welcome to, this is the scene in Batman, you know, where where Batman's like, I've trained in the darkness and Bane's like, I was born in the darkness. This is, (laughs) that's how I'm feeling. A trench in Gallipoli, and there's these 18, 17 year old fresh faced soldiers that are yep. fresh from training camp rolling in, and you're like, I know them. I've already sourced 18 of the best masks possible, and blah, blah. You should be, if anything, you should be trying to price gouge right now. You should have insight into what's going what's gonna to go off. Yeah. And, well, and I've stocked so- up. I mean, I obviously uh, I, I have wall to wall toilet paper in this room. So, yes. You've got to be ahead good. of the curve. Um, give me a highlight from your holidays because we haven't caught up. It it has been two weeks. 
what's a I notice you're drinking you're drinking kombucha, which tells me that you have done serious damage to your gut health. <laughs> I have actually. Uh, I was my highlight was I found an organic free range butcher here in Toowoomba. They're a fantastic butcher over in East Toowoomba. And uh, I bought a organic free range turkey that was alive literally mm. four days before Christmas. Wow. And, and a ham that was alive two weeks before Christmas. So, and I really went to town on both. So it was a big few days of eating. Tim ate a lot of Morton Bay bugs and oysters and I did it all. Had to, Jazz was really unimpressed because if you're going to do a turkey right, you've got to get your hands inside it under the skin. So you separate the skin from the um, breast mm-hmm. and hands are in there. It looks like an alien. You're like, ah, and I was running around the house freaking her out by... <laughs> Very funny. Uh, stuff it with butter and parsley and garlic and you'll be good to go. Two hours in the oven. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Great. Well, it sounds like you had a really good Christmas. Thank you. How, how about you? What was your big highlight? My big highlight, you've already, just as we were plugging the microphones in, you made comment to the singlet that I'm wearing. Um, mm. So I, I didn't talk about it at any point in the podcast, but I decided in lockdown two that I wanted to try and run a marathon. Um, because yeah. it's like the physical challenge that has always scared me more than any other physical challenge. Um, and obviously with COVID, there were no big running events on. And I just decided I'm going to be in Sydney in December. And my dad, who's also run like a dozen marathons, is going to be in Sydney for Christmas. And so I said, why don't we just go for a run one day and pump out 42.2 kilometers? <laughs> and um so we did it. He actually, uh, because he'd come out of quarantine, he'd been in a, in a hotel sitting on his bum for two weeks. So he yeah. only did the second 21 kilometers, which was when I kind of needed him. Um, mm. Yeah. So I ran, I, uh, I ran a marathon. Um, did he pace with you? Congratulations. First thanks. and foremost, that's a massive achievement. Thank well you. done. You made t-shirts, which I made Because when you do a real <laughs> marathon, they give you a t-shirt and I didn't want this to. <laughs> So, it's the most Tim Rubin thing ever to not let no marathon stop you from doing a marathon. You've just done your own, linked it up. I know that you even had your partner and your mum as water people for you as well. Which oh, my mum was there for like 15 minutes. Ellie deserves a lot of credit. She was there the whole time. <laughs> your mum just... <laughs> Four and a half hours. 15 minutes of her time. <laughs> she just stopped by really to get a photo, but Ellie was there for all four and a half hours because I ran laps of Centennial Park. So yeah, I, I yeah. ran 12 laps around Centennial Park. Um, and yeah, she manned the uh, the esky and had, you know, bits and pieces there, lollies and things as I, as I was going around. Do you think you'll do another? I, I don't want to say real one because then you're going to jump on my back. And no, no, like, no. Oh, I know I what you mean. Yeah. And uh, I, but yeah, you want to be part of the hustle and bustle of a full-blown one. I got to tell you, it was awful. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I've been doing a lot of running and I built myself up to running 30 kilometers, like feeling good. Running yeah. another 12 on top of that was awful like i can honestly say i've never been i've never woken up and just thought that it's something i want to do like mm-hmm. uh, you know cars were invented and they were even push bikes and they're fantastic modes of transport and i think we should continue to strive forward yeah <laughs> i don't know if i'm going to do another one i may at some point want to be a part of the big thing so I, I yeah maybe i don't know I'm, i might just try and keep this fitness up potentially until there's a melbourne marathon or sydney marathon that i can be a part of but yeah it it sucked my review is is one star for spending five hours running 
Oh, well, good. I'm, I'm happy for you, man. Those months of training, it's really good. <laughs> Story number one. So we took two weeks off and uh, the Australian anthem changed. Um, Scott Morrison made the announcement late on literally New Year's Eve, on New Year's Eve night. Um, and so we're going now from uh, For We Are Young and Free to For We Are One and Free. This is obviously um, after listening to a, a huge amount of push from Indigenous Australians and, and non-Indigenous Australians who want to be allies to that for a number of years. Before we get into it, Nick, I don't often take my hat off to the government, but is this some of the slickest PR management that you've ever seen sliding that in over the line? on literal New Year's Eve when 90% of the country was inebriated? Slick PR management is an interesting choice of words because, uh, yes, I would agree. Um, but I also think that it was – it's interesting. They've, they've, had a, uh, they've been copying a fair whack lately in the media and just in general and in people's perception of the government is not very high at the moment. So I do – I wonder how much of it was tokenistic and I wonder how much of it was them just try, looking for an easy win because mm-hmm. they've got to get a couple of easy wins. But yeah, it was it, it was funny. I think it was a great reminder of how governance works as well for the Australian people because a lot of people woke up and I saw all these people are getting up in arms on both sides and, and it's creating a lot of divisive talk. Either way, I think it was a great reminder that we don't get a fucking plebiscite on everything. Yeah. You don't get a plebiscite on every single decision made in this country. And I think a lot of us forget that, that the way governance works is we vote in someone that then has a say for us. So vote in someone you think is going to represent your beliefs and your values. Because I do think sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking we all do get to have an opinion on these things. Well, and we don't. It's as simple as that. <laughs> I thought that what was really interesting about the reminder of how our government system works was the fact that they had to check it with the governor general. Was that this yeah, wasn't just, yeah. I mean, obviously Scott Morrison had pushed it, but he had to propose it to the Governor General, who then gave it the final tick of approval. Like, how archaic is that, that we still need to ring mum and dad and check if it's if we're allowed to change our national anthem? Uh, look, I, I, for the most part, am a fairly staunch Republican in the sense that I think we should become a Republican and step away yeah. from the... Okay, so yeah, but everything everything gets decided by the Governor General. On a base level, every single rule in Australia has to go through the Governor General and get that insignia on it, which is and the Governor General is acting on behalf of the Queen direct. So it's you're right, it is a really it seems out of date in today's day and age and considering how much society has changed and re-sculpted in the past twenty years, but all of this still exists. It's all part of what makes Australia Australia and it's and it's buying into those shared beliefs that is the most important thing I think like we all we can all sit here and have opinions on Facebook but we all like the way we live on this country in this country more so than if we were living in other countries that's and part of that is buying into this system of governance and and for the most part it's a fairly robust one that's been tested over a long period of time and it works pretty well do you I, think I, do you think the majority of people know that it's changed? I put it on our Facebook page on the off air uh, Facebook community group. The majority nearly everybody who commented said, said yes they now know. But also I think the people that are commenting and involved in this podcast are quite newsy people. I think everyone knows now because it was in the news a lot in the following days. I personally did not know that that was happening. Like, I know that I thought it was going to be another situation like 
uh, Australia Day or gay marriage or any of the number of things that are consistently changing where the conversation really started in like September last year. And I thought it was going to be this ongoing mm. conversation for the next two or three years before any actual action happened. So the fact that it happened fairly quickly, I thought was cool. I mean, if when it comes to the actual, when it comes to the actual changing of the words, I think it's a great thing. I don't under, you know, we're, we're left in this point in time where any decision has detractors of people who view it as a negative thing because they view it as, oh, we're pandering to beliefs or that type of stuff. And then the flip side is you have these people now who, who are often on the far left who go, well, it doesn't go far enough. And we yeah. like, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. so there was everybody's of, angry from every direction about yeah, everything. Yeah. Indignation. But ultimately, it, we can change it. We changed it in 1984. It's not an old song. It used to be Australian Sons Let Us Rejoice. We thought that was probably not super inclusive to the women in no, this country. No, it changed from 84 to From God Save the Queen. It became oh, the that... anthem in 84. Yeah. So when did it change? When did the Australian Sons lyric change? I'm not sure. I don't have that. I think that was 84. I think before that it was God Save I think it was like the 70s. That it... And it was, a, it was a public vote. And there was a few different songs up for grabs. This song in particular, like, uh, I have no particular, I, I'm not suggesting there are better songs out there, but I don't know that it's the best song. It was written by an Englishman. Um, so, like, I don't understand. It's not like we have this proud, we're not America where where, where they sing it every single day in school. I remember we would sing it at our school and, um, school assemblies, assemblies, but I don't even know that they do that now in most schools. Yeah, I don't know. We did it in our, in our primary school. Um, when mm. you said, I'm not sure what song would be better, Chris wrote on our Facebook page, uh, that'll fix it. Uh, can't we just change it to Horses by Daryl Braithwaite and call it a day? <laughs> I think that's a good one. <laughs> I think the only problem with that is it would be too much of a good thing and we'd all get over horses. But boy, it'd be a loose month when it first happened. I saw on the Facebook group, actually, someone suggested, and I'm sorry, I can't remember their name, but My Island Home. And I was like, yeah, that's actually a great suggestion. I quite like My Island Home. It's a beautiful song. It has a lot of meaning around where we live. I think it does a good job of describing the Australian way of life. So why can't we look at these things? We've only been a federation for 100 years. We are still a fairly young federation, and we should be open to changing these things. I don't think we could afford the royalties from Christine Arnoux. I think that's the main reason why we wouldn't be able to. Um, there was one comment on the, on the Off Air Facebook page that I actually wanted to read out and I wanted to um, have a look at with you, Nick. And um, this is from someone, I, I really like the discussion that happens on there and I don't agree with um, some of the things, but I think it's great when we can discuss and kind of pull apart different perspectives. One person wrote, uh, but why? I get trying to make the country feel equal, but, but it's also a part of our heritage and that's up to the people who live here to treat each other equally. We are not our ancestors. It's like giving a child that thing that they've been chucking a tantrum for after hours. Now that's been changed. What will they want changed next and have a tantrum about next? So, yeah, I saw that comment. And I think that there's a few layers to it. But I think first and foremost, because um, this is an opinion that, that a lot of Australians are going to are, are going to have. Yeah, and so I think it's yeah, important yeah, to address yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think that the, that the problem initially is that there's an us first them mentality in the comment. Mm. It, it suggests, and, and there's almost a level of, 
like you can fucking read into everything and words words are only words to an extent and and i can't project the meaning onto the words or what that person meant but uh, uh, i guess the us first them mentality thing shouldn't really exist because this is about all of us coming together and making decisions and secondly it's a weird comment to make when i assume that they're talking about indigenous people yeah. because it really it, it initially suggests that white people sit above indigenous people and it's up to us to then treat them like children. Yeah. And that isn't the answer either. Um, I think that it's, it's all about us coming together, disagreeing and then finding a middle ground over every single issue. And that's, what's great about Australia is that we live in a country where we're allowed to do that. We're allowed to have very public and open discourse. And that's not the case in a lot of other countries. In other countries, you can't have debates about these types of things. So I think it's, it's, it's stopping this us versus them mentality and think and stopping thinking that your circle of friends or your group that are around you are singular in your beliefs because everyone has different beliefs. So it's being really open to having a positive conversation and then coming together and finding a middle ground. I think if you constantly treat everything as me versus you, or it's me who believes in the Labour Party versus you who believes in the Liberal Party, or it's me who, uh, you know, uh, reads Michael West Media versus you who watches Sky News, we're all human beings and we all deserve equal rights. And it's about finding a level of equality for everyone so that we live in a free and fair country and we can have really open, healthy conversations like these ones. Mm. I think that's the bigger issue with it. With, with it. Yeah, I like uh, the way that you put that. I, I think that yeah. that's important for people to remember that that it's not one versus another. We are one country. We are one group of people and that that respect, it, we're not losing anything. Um, mm. And we've already spoken about the fact that, you know, in the comment it says this is a part of our heritage, but it's a very recent part of our heritage and that's the whole point of a country or of anything is that it progresses and that it changes. The one thing that I'd like to also just chuck into the mix is uh, I don't think that enough and to generalize enough white people realize how recently um, some of the, some of the atrocities against the indigenous Australians were happening. So off the top of my head, I think it was 1967 that um, indigenous Australians were counted as a part of the census. And before that, they were counted in Australia under the Flora and Fauna Act, which is absolutely yeah. awful. So that means that there are literally people, 67 is not that long ago, that's people of our parents or our grandparents' age who are walking around who still remember being counted, not as a part of the census. There are people walking around who have been directly affected or were involved in the stolen generation. And so yeah. these things, these these aren't deep scars that go back, you know, hundreds of years or millennia. These are things that the generations of people that are alive are still trying to reconcile with. And so if you were involved in that, fuck yeah, you'd want the national anthem of the country that you live in to reflect that you exist and that maybe mm. it's not a young country, that your people have been here for a very long amount of time. So I think that that's just one thing to remember when we're, when we're discussing these things. It's these aren't thousands of years old. This is happening now. And I think that this is a great step to continue moving in the right direction. Even if you're talking about humanizing, even things like language. I mean, for most of us and probably most of the people listening, if you are listening and, and English was your first language, we don't understand the power of language because we've been gifted with, the, with being born into a situation where we learned the most powerful language straight off the bat. 
Like I've moved and I can, I, I, I can speak a little bit of Danish and I've lived overseas. That's a country that uh, only 10 million people in the world speak that language fluently. We, we have the most advanced language system and we learned it straight away. Imagine if someone took English away from you. Imagine if you were someone who grew up with, with speaking the English language and someone just said, okay, over the next five years, you can never speak that language again. Mm. That's literally what happened to Indigenous people in this country from certain areas. In the area of Bundaberg, where I, uh, I've spent some time living in, in Queensland, which is a beautiful part of the world, they literally erased the native language from that area. They erased the First Nations people's language from that area. And it, and it took about 35 years to, of people piecing together small memories and books wow. and finding little things to try to recreate that language. And it's those types of dehumanizing things that we just don't even think about. And you're right. That's, that's people that are walking around now. Like if you, a lot of the elders in the Aboriginal community at the moment are children of people directly from the stolen generation. And imagine if your mum or your dad, the person you grew up in the house of, was torn away from their family. Like you see how much adoption can affect people when it's done in a really effective, positive manner. Imagine the effect it would have if you just, you knew your mum or dad had been ripped from their family home with the intention to breed out their race. Like with the intention of over a six generation period, making sure there are no more of your people. Like it's a, it's a fucking crazy concept and, it, and it's within the past hundred years. I think we owe them one and free, at least, at the very <laughs> least, at the very least. I, I don't think it's an entire solution, but I think it's a step in the right direction. Story number two. Right now on the front page of news.com.au, there are two articles right next to each other, and I'm going to read you the two headlines, okay? Well, you know I fucking love news.com.au, so let's do it. The beacon of the truth. Um, <laughs> article number one. Article number one. Bitcoin on shaky, volatile ground. <laughs> Article number two. Bitcoin, cryptocurrency surges, highest prices on record. What to know before you buy? <laughs> Which is why news.com is the, is the perfect news source. Choose, it gives you choose your own adventure. Um, exactly. So, Nick, Bitcoin is back in our lives. And I don't think that anybody could make total sense of it, but it is back at the moment. It's on bus shelters near where I live. Uh, you actually have is, is it a finance degree what did you study I studied economics okay I studied economics. you studied economics so i wanted to pick your brain about this one okay. so let's go back before we get into the news.com articles could i just say before all of this you put this in the facebook group and my initial thought was has tim bought bitcoin you see somehow because you see like, i'm getting in on the ground level 2020 guys 2021 <laughs> Is he starting to use our group as a mainstream, like, mm. multi-level marketing platform? What, is anybody <laughs> interested in buying some secondhand Bitcoin? Because I've got a great opportunity. Um, okay, so Bitcoin is back. Mm -hmm. I feel like you are going to have a better perspective on this than what I will. So I want to take us back in time. And can yep. you tell me what was your reaction to when this was first uh, entering the news cycle in 2017? Well, I heard about it years before. I think it's it started around 2009 as a concept or 2008. I think it first it, floated in 2009. I think you're right. 
Yeah, yeah. I know that the first purchase ever, it's one of my favorite little quirky facts, and uh, 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 the first purchase ever uh, made for Bitcoin for a real thing was for two Papa John pizzas, and it was for 10,000 Bitcoin, which would be about half a billion dollars now for two pizzas in the in the imaginary land of bitcoin um it's it's really interesting the technology that bitcoin is based around which is called blockchain technology um is a really really cool technology if you are into the decentralization of power so what it exists behind the whole basic concept behind Bitcoin is it's getting rid of banks and national financial institutions so that there's a free open world currency. And the cool thing about that is it's built by computer programmers. And in general, a, a lot of values shared in the computer programming world is that they believe that technology should be free and it should be open source to everyone, which is why the internet exists and it's not a privately owned thing. The people who invented the internet actively chose instead of selling it to private companies to just float it as this free thing for wow. the universe. We, and, and that's what blo blockchain technology or Bitcoin technology or cryptocurrency technology is, is it's an op it's basically just a giant ledger. So if you think, you know, back in the day when you had to do banking by hand, you'd have a ledger and you'd, you'd do your business. Okay. Business money goes out, money comes in. I write it down. This is a giant open source one that anyone who gets uh, a password, which is easy to get, anyone can get one, has access to change. So it's anyone in the world has access to the, it's like a giant Google Doc that anyone can go into at any time and make a change so that there is complete transparency around financial transactions, which at the moment there isn't. So when you do, when, for the most part, uh, we're all like people who aren't millionaires, we're all just going to fucking do bank and we're going to use banks and that's fine. But the, but the banking system is open to manipulation and obviously fraud is a massive thing. The concept behind cryptocurrency is getting rid of that. So the concept behind it is creating a technology that is so robust and has so many checkpoints in place that it cannot be manipulated. It has to be true. And that's kind of cool. It's kind of a cool concept. It's very hard to execute. So the problem is... Uh, Bitcoin specifically has been in the past targeted by hackers who've been able to bust in. They've stolen hundreds of millions of dollars. So it, it's very hard to create something that is perfect. And that's what they're all attempting to do. Ethereum does it a little bit better than Bitcoin. What Bitcoin has become is just a giant pyramid scheme essentially yeah. well this is this is what i thought <laughs> you've brought it up before before i could so yeah. i'm so glad to hear that come out of your mouth as well because of the the entire time i've gone isn't this just a pyramid scheme because by definition a pyramid scheme is um a financial system in which you have to buy into and you can only make money by selling on but there's no actual product at the end of the day yeah. and that's that's nothing transient. Yeah. Yes, and that's, that's and there's no product or, or service, and so that's the difference mm. between a pyramid scheme and multi-level marketing, which is very yeah. popular nowadays. But at least you get some Tupperware out of it. Um, <laughs> Heavily overpriced Tupperware. You get some really expensive drink bottles, which I've got, by the way. Somebody who sells Tupperware, I think, gave me one as a birthday oh, present. I'm drinking from it now. <laughs> it, the water tastes exactly the same. So, yeah. yes, is this just a 2020 or a 2017? Is it just a, a virtual pyramid scheme? 
Well, essentially, yeah, without as many rules. So it's it's like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, sub, sub, subconscious virtual pyramid scheme. Because obviously, if you buy into Bitcoin, and if you are someone who goes, I want to invest in Bitcoin, then it's your prerogative to try to make that as valuable as possible. So, of course, you are going to then go tell people that the Bitcoin market is booming and they need to get in on it now because you've just bought it. So you want the prices to keep going up. So, yeah, it's it, it, there's a term for it. I'm pretty sure it's called economic bubble. So an economic bubble is whenever the value of something is significantly less than the sale price. It's sort of 100% what the Australian housing market is as well. But the difference is there is no government that needs to prop Bitcoin up. Like the thing that keeps happening with our housing market is all the prices are hyperinflated, but the government has an incentive to continue that going because that helps the Australian people and specifically helps their voter base. So the government comes in and offers, you know, $50,000 to someone who wants to build a house because that's going to make construction workers have jobs and things like that. With Bitcoin, there is no government that needs to prop this up. So it is going to fluctuate wildly. It will go from $44,000 per Bitcoin to $17,000 per Bitcoin. And it can happen in six hours. And it only takes small things. Like there's been huge variances in the currencies. There's, I'm pretty sure in China, you're not allowed to legally use any form of cryptocurrency. And when that when that law got passed, the, the value of Bitcoin dropped 75% or wow. something ridiculous like that. So it's really open. And the other thing is it's really quick. Like when you're trading stocks or shares or futures, there is a bit of a handover period, even if you're changing banks. Like if you're changing banks, uh, say you have a shitload of money and you just want to live, live on the interest that you have. If you then take that to another bank because they have a better interest rate, there is often like a, if you're just publicly doing that, there's a two-day layover where you're not earning interest on the money. Whereas Bitcoin is immediate transactions that are put into this ledger, which the whole world can see. So they don't know who's doing it. But so Bitcoin is back in the news. It has gone back up. It's reached record highs. Um, it has dropped now in the last couple of days. We're at $42,000 for a Bitcoin. Um, mm-hmm. It was when the bubble burst in 2019. Uh, 28 or 29? 2018, it went down to 3,000 ish. Yeah. So these numbers are wild. They're, they're all over the place. Have you got any Bitcoin? And would you? Would you get Bitcoin now that it like, why is it back? And do you think that people should we be getting in the second time? No, it's because it's a vehicle. It's a vehicle for people to make money. It's a vehicle for bullshit salesmen to make money. Uh, uh, First things first, I would have to buy a fraction of a Bitcoin. I'm not going to invest $44,000 into a Bitcoin. Uh, But secondly, like with anything, if it smells like if it's it's called an incongruent transaction, if it smells too good to be true, it is. <laughs> like if 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 there is no get rich quick schemes in this world, occasionally someone might, but the reality is they will probably fucking lose that money. Like they will, they're they're you're riding the lightning. It's like a drug addict. So that's the whole thing. Is to, if you're going to invest, uh, you know, a it's sensible to invest in a mixture of shares and property. And we're talking about if you have money first, which most of us don't. But secondly, look for long-term stuff that pays good dividends. Like stuff that doesn't fluctuate over a long period of time with companies that are, that are actively trying to make money so that you get decent dividends. That's really the best way to invest. And all you're trying to, like if you're making 5% a year, say for like if, say, say if you, on your investment, you're making 5 
which is reasonably good, to 10, which is exceptional. If you think about that, you're doing five times better than if you had your money in a bank account. If you had your money in a bank account and you're earning interest, at the moment, the, the interest paid on savings accounts is like 1.25%. Like it's, it's, less than, it's less than the rate of inflation in our country. So the, 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 the best thing to do with shares is just look for consistent long-term stuff. If you don't have a lot of money, there is actually some really half-decent stuff out there now where they'll aggregate your money to Fortune 500 companies or you can follow other people's uh, other people who are traders. It's really hard trading. That's all I'd say. It's, it's really hard and it takes a lot of thought. Bitcoin is not the answer. It will fluctuate. It will go up and down. There is nothing real behind it. Thank you for your financial advice. Also, I'm sorry if you could hear scratching during that. A reminder. I'm... It's Ellie's lunchtime or what's going on? No, I'm at my family's house and we have a massive bulldog that <laughs> likes to sleep in the room. That I've. This is the quietest room and I guess it's also where she comes to sleep at about at okay. lunchtime each day. Um, my only thought with Bitcoin, and I, again, I'm not, I don't have any of a back, background in finance or anything like you do, but by the, if it's on a bus shelter, you've missed the boat. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. If the time that it takes to create an artwork and organize the advertising company and this and then who, Jeff, who had the idea and it to go through this or that, by the time it's there, it's already happened. So I the think, same, yeah, the same people I would say that are telling you to put your money in Bitcoin are the same people that are running self-help seminars and rediscover the alpha male seminars and things like that on the weekends. It's a lot of, it's a lot of snake oil salesmen. Story number three. I don't want to jinx this, but we might be getting to the end of the Trump stories. <laughs> I'm hoping that this is the case. But also this week, there has been a huge one. So I think that we need to get into it. This okay. week, a tape was leaked from a phone call between Donald Trump and the Georgia Secretary of State. His name is Brad Raffensperger, where Trump is weirdly asking and also weirdly threatening for him to overturn the state's election results and cough, cough, find more Trump votes. Let's have a quick listen to it just so you know I'm not exaggerating. Look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have, because we won the state. So after literal months of accusations of election fraud towards Biden, with literally no hard evidence, now a tape comes out with actual hard evidence of Trump actually committing election fraud. Nick, has it finally peaked? Is this the last Trump story that we're going to have to deal with? Oh fuck! I hope so. I hope so so bad. It's such a, it's it's such a exhausting ride of bullshit and chaos. But Tim, what is the, what have I always said? The best thing to fight fraud with is what the the best thing to fraud. with more fraud. <laughs> yeah, more fraud. If you can out fraud the fraudsters, then technically you've won. <laughs> it's, but, that's why I'm saying don't buy Bitcoin, buy Ethereum, people. Get involved. What? That's your, like your personal <laughs> cryptocurrency? <laughs> no, but seriously, look, here's the thing. This is neither shocking, no. nor, is it, nor is it 
uh, is it going to hurt Trump in any way whatsoever? Because his supporters are so rusted onto him. This isn't even the worst shit we've heard him say. What about the grabbing by the pussy stuff? That was at the that was before the last election. He got voted and, in after saying grabbing by the pussy. I mean. He's a galvanizing character. It's really interesting because you have this. If someone doesn't pretend to be virtuous, then we treat them on a really even keel. Like I find it really interesting. Dan Bilzerian hasn't like copped a bunch of shit. He's the uh, supposed multimillionaire. It's all questionable. The playboy guy him. with the beard. Um, yeah, and he like throws throws women. porn stars off uh, buildings into pools and rides yeah, yeah. and shoots guns and owns a weed company and all this type of stuff. Like someone like that doesn't get cancelled because we're all just like, ah, oh, he's a bag of shit. It's fine. He's told us at the start, and that's the same with Donald Trump. Like we all know he's a bag of shit. We all know that these phone calls are going to be happening. We all know that he is going to try to influence the election results. We all know that he's going to use money. We all know that he's not going to play by the rules. He comes from business. He's a massive capitalist. It, it, the, it, the concept of truth is, is a scale to him. There is no real truth. There's only his truth. And if he can make other people believe it. So I just, I don't think it's surprising. Do you think it's surprising? No, it's not surprising to me at all. Um, and there, there have been things that came out previously of him creating fake documents, and he's had so many different people around him um, that have gone to jail. I counted previous on, on a previous episode, I think it was seven people from his campaign who either have been or are now currently in jail for things. You can't say that, Jim. What do you mean? Because they've all been... They've all been pardoned now. <laughs> well, those are the people that he was pardoning. Yeah, no. He did. He pardoned all of them. He did. I'm not even kidding. Did he really? He pardoned yeah. his people? Yeah. Oh, wow. He's pardoned something like 16 of his people. And he's trying to get in place. Uh, he's trying to get in place a standing pardon for himself, Jared Kushner, and Ivanka Trump for anything that could have been done illegal over the past four years. So he's trying is- to get... This is what I was going to say is is this could actually be a wonderful nail in the coffin for Trump because so many people around him have been nailed for things like electoral fraud. It's not a surprise that he's involved in it, but this is the first time that something has actually stuck to him. And also with only 14 days left of his official presidency, um, if, if, this, if, if he is not the president anymore, then they will be able to pursue this electoral fraud in a time when he is unable to pardon himself and he mm. could actually go to jail for this. There are people, um, there was a case from a couple of years ago where a woman tried to vote multiple times and she was jailed for five years. So there are some very stringent laws about this in the United States. They take it very seriously. And now there's some huge damning evidence for the very first time in all of this electoral fraud conversation. And funnily enough, it's pointed back at Trump. Do you think that he's going to actually have to face? I would love if he had to face some of these accusations in court for real when he's not the president. I'd be surprised if he does. I'd be, I, w- I would genuinely be surprised. He was very strict for a start. We all know what he was saying in that conversation, but he's very strategic in the way he said it. He was very, I, you know, I just want you to find 1,100 more votes, 11,000 more votes. I just, you know, I, I'm saying there might have been some miscounted votes. And, I mean, he's good with the word allegedly. And it would be bad. He- and he goes, and it would be very bad yeah. for you if you could. <laughs> yeah, it would probably be a bad thing for you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> now, I, I, look, I think it'll, he'll go out with a whimper and not a scream. 
I'd be really surprised because I think that the thing is that the Democrats won't want to galvanize the 20, there's a rough split of 20% of America, which is over a hundred million people are rusted onto Donald Trump. Like he got, he got, you know, he got X amount of votes, but the, a, a big group of people have said in surveys that they will believe or agree with Donald Trump regardless of what is found or what has mm. happened. And I, and I think at the moment the Democrats won't want to further galvanize his support base pending the next election or pending him potentially coming back or pending anything else or, or making him a martyr. You know what I mean? Like it would be a very powerful thing to his supporters if he could say, ah, the Democrats or the mainstream media or the swamp locked me up. You know, I tried to beat them and he tries to paint himself as a Mahatma Gandhi type human. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it like, would also be a very powerful thing for everybody who is anti-Trump to finally see him pay for some of his actions. I mean, wouldn't that be a, an incredible final chapter if he did all of these things and then finally when he loses his magical powers of just being the president, even though he's already been impeached, as, <laughs> like if as soon as he lost his power, because I don't think that people are going after him because they know that he can, um, he can absolve himself because he can just slip, slip out of it because he's the president. But once he's not the president, I would love it. If the month after a trial began and six months after that, he was in jail, people would love that. Wouldn't it feel incredible? Uh, No, not really. I mean, imagine the damage that that's going to do to America. And imagine saying that they had, like Americans are, are they're proud of their system of governance because they created it. They, they had a civil war and they broke away and they created this and they built uh, you know, they, they, they built their declaration of independence and they built their constitution. And it's it, for them, I don't think they would see it as a good thing ever having any, any president ever go to jail. Like immediately, immediately that means that someone that they're led, they're led, you know, generally presidents are beyond disrepute. Yeah. And it would be, it would be a very strange thing to see a U.S. president in jail. And as much as, you know, I do, I agree with you. I think there is a large group of people who would want to see that and who would want to feel like the past four years haven't happened. They have. Donald Trump will always be the 45th president of the United States, even if he does go to jail. It's happened. He's served a term. He spent his four years there. And I don't think it helps anyone to further, I, like uh, my, my hope for Americans, and I don't live in America and I haven't spent a great deal of time there, would be that this can be the end of a chapter that just gets blanked out and we all forget it happened and we all pretend we were hungover for the past four years. (laughs) And and there's going to be too much shit that they have to still deal with. Like they're trying to roll out a vaccine to 400 million people at the moment. Like there's, they've just gone over 350,000 deaths with COVID. So there's too many other things going on that need to be pressing issues i don't need to see him go to jail he's he he has already been hung in the court of public opinion i like it will all, I, I hear what you're saying always... i hear what you're saying i would love it to happen 
I would love it to happen. And I think that there are a lot of people who would love it to happen. Yeah, it would be upsetting for people. How much of that is just turning the knife? How much of that is you just wanting just just a little bit of vindictiveness from It's definitely vindictive, of course, but he deserves it. He's commit electoral fraud. He has 17 sexual assault allegations against him. He is one of the worst people on the planet. And I think that it would be wonderful to see some karma get enacted. And and when you say turning the knife, nothing bad is happening to him. He lost an election and now he's going to go off and do a speaking tour and earn millions more, uh, millions of more do- dollars. And he's going to continue to be a billionaire for the rest of his life after all of the, like, I'm sure dodgy under the table deals that he did for the four years while he was president. Which they all do. I mean, they, I, they, well, they, I don't they, know that. Power amongst <clears throat> it. I hear what you're saying. I would love for it to happen. It's time for Nick Picks. Give me your Nick Pick. What's your recommendation? Have you read something, eaten something? You should have done your turkey. You could have told me about the turkey. I know. I could have done. No, I thought, well, it's an old Nick Pick, but I'm going with uh, I, I only just got the chance to watch The Mandalorian, and I really enjoy it. Is it's it good? on Disney Plus. It's fucking awesome. Okay, so here's the, here's the reason. When I say I just got the chance to watch it, that's not true. Because I am a star, I grew up a Star Wars fanatic. I went to the world premiere of The Phantom Menace. I um, I love Star Wars, and now anytime something new comes out, I be- like I I put it off for months and months and months because I'm so nervous that they're going to fuck up the franchise. They've all well, they have really. That's what I mean. Yeah. They've let me down yeah. before, and even the three latest movies was sort of just like, it was like a, a best of hits of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. So the, the so I was very nervous going into this. I've now, I, I binge watched it all in a week, both seasons. I've got two episodes left in the second season. It is so good because it's, it, 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 it if you think of Star Wars as being from a macro level, it is from a micro level. Like it exists within the universe that we've learned so much about, but it is a beautiful standalone story. And and it's also terrifically made and really well acted. And so it's, if you are a Star Wars fan and you have been nervous, don't be put it on because it's going to reinvigorate your love for the whole universe. Um, I'll give you my Nick pick. I think you'd like this actually, my Nick pick. It's a book that I, I always say read, but I listen to audio books. I don't read anything. <laughs> I listened. Um, it sounds classy to say you're book. Yeah, but you can't read a book when you're running circles around Centennial Park. So um, I actually was listening to this for a lot of my running. It's called 10% Happier. It's by a guy called Dan Harris. And um, Dan Harris is an American journalist. You'd actually recognize him. He's done, he's hosted Good Morning America, you know, all of those kind of TV shows. Um, And he had a very public nervous breakdown live on air. Um, while he was hosting a news program, he um, basically had this breakdown and um, managed to kind of uh, get away from it and, and kind of cover it over. But what was actually happening was he was doing a lot of drugs and had a bunch of PTSD from a bunch of Iraq and Afghanistan stories that he'd been covering. Mm. Um, and he'd been in the middle of war zones for years. Um, and he went on this journey of kind of self-discovery and self-realization, um, looking at different forms of new age mysticism and things like that. But what's great about it is one, he's a very intelligent guy. So he's able to break down these different ideas quite nicely. And then two, because of his position, he would interview these different figures 
So he could get, so he hung out with Eckhart Tolle. He would hang, hang out with Deepak mm. Chopra. Um, he hung out with the Dalai Lama. Um, and he would just interview all these people and ask them the real questions like, hey, okay, so I know you're saying be happy, but let's say, for example, there's a promotion going and it goes to this other person. How do I deal with that? So it's a really nice, um, real. What did the Dalai Lama say to that? I kind of want. <laughs> I think the Dalai, like, don't get me wrong. Obviously, great concept. He'd be a tough hang. Yeah. <laughs> Dalai Lama would be that much fun to spend the night with. Well, you got to read the book. I'm not going to tell you, but that's what's interesting is he kind of brings these real things to these people and yeah. and yeah, finds yeah, what yeah. actually stands up to real work. These concepts of yeah of, so what is it what is is it just gratitude is the answer gratitude yeah the answer to everything on a philosophical level seems to be gratitude mm. like if you just convince yourself that you are happy it seems to work really well i'm i know that sounds sarcastic but i'm sort of telling the truth uh, he speaks a lot well, yeah, gratitude is one but he also speaks a lot about mindfulness and about meditation um and then kind of not going too far the other way because if you be if you're too zen then you're like that's fine i didn't get the promotion but like no you want the promotion so it's about having those things and incorporating them into your life in a productive way that doesn't mean that you lose your edge um, especially in a professional setting so yeah i would recommend it and in the audiobook on audible he reads it out so you get to hear his actual voice doing it so it's a lot of fun oh that's cool as well yeah. can you still watch his breakdown i don't Is know that have you i haven't man looked. i first thing i would have done <laughs> I haven't checked it out. I'll have a look. Let's get out of here. Nick, it's great to be back hanging out with you, pulling apart the top stories of the week. If you're still here, um, what do we want people to do? What should we have to still be here. If you're hearing this, you've got to still be here. Okay. <laughs> Go on up. We've got a Facebook group, and that's where we get people's perspectives on all the different topics. So search um, off-air podcast community and join our Facebook group. And then also... You're in it. You just worked out we're not live somewhere. What's going on? What? <laughs> We've been doing this for a year. It's a medium that you're forced to listen to. Also, give us a couple of stars. Give us five stars. If you've been in an Uber, you probably gave them five stars. And that was like three minutes and they didn't do anything. So give us five stars. You'll make our day. We'll see when it happens. Uber drivers as well. I see. You're Edgy Tim for 2021. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Off Air. Remember to like and subscribe. People are entitled to their sexual proclivities. <laughs> <laughs>